Welcome to Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. We're glad you've joined us. Well, hey, welcome out again. We are excited and just very fortunate that you have chosen to spend the best night of the week during our prayer and worship service. We fundamentally believe here at Faith that when we pray, God does great things. That's why we value our midweek service. Tonight, we're going to continue our look into Colossians, and I want to talk to you about this idea, keeping your head up keeping your head up. Not in this idea of keeping your head up when something bad happens to you, but keeping your head up and the right focus. Um, Lately, I've been in this uh, uh, kind of kick of documentaries. Do I have any documentary fans out there watching on TV a little bit? Well, uh, that's cool. There's not very many of us out there. My wife isn't a huge fan of documentaries. Uh, We don't watch much TV, but usually when it comes in at nighttime, we put the kids down. We're kind of relaxing for the evening. Uh, We decided to turn on some TV. Now, TV is being a little suspect this day and age, right? Like you can't really watch a whole lot, especially in front of your kids. So I turned to documentaries and I've got into this documentary called 14 Peaks. It's about this group of individuals who climbed the 14 tallest mountains in the world, all above 8,000 kilometers. I mean, it's a fascinating story. This man, their leader, his name's Nirmal Purja. He's a Nepali, and uh, he's also known as a Sherpa, uh, and uh, many of his companions are Sherpas who help people climb Mount Everest. Maybe you're familiar with that terminology, and it's a fascinating story. These men are doing it in a record pace. I would encourage you to check it out. See, the quickest these mountains have ever been climbed is seven years. These men go on to do it in seven months. Like it's a phenomenal story. This guy, their leader, he runs over 20 kilometers a day, 20 kilometers, wakes up at 2.30 in the morning, he's out there running. They get in about halfway through, they get coming to this mountain called K2. It's, it's a difficult mountain. They, they come into base camp and there's this depression with other parties, with other campers, with other climbers. See, usually when there's only certain windows whenever you could climb mountains, right? Like the weather, the, the different elements they would battle. So he comes in with his party and there's other parties that are trying to climb in some of this mountain and they cannot do it. He comes in and he brings in this whole different atmosphere. He starts saying, we're going to climb that mountain. We're going to do it. He rallies the troops and says, we're going to do it instantly. The very next day they go, they summit. Everybody follows him. They anchor the lines and they do it. They complete K2 and then they go on to do this fascinating feat because it was all about their perspective. So many times in life, we can focus on the lateral things around us. We can focus on our neighbors. We can focus on maybe what we don't have. We can focus on the issue at hand, but we quit focusing on our, what we're supposed to as followers of Jesus, and that's up. So today we're going to be looking at Colossians, and the Apostle Paul, he comes into this point where it's this, it's like the hinge of the book. It's, he's changing from this doctrinal standpoint into this practical standpoint. And Colossians chapter 3 is what we're going to be diving into. Remember, uh, if you have your notes, join me there. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you, if you read, write, and recite, you're better to retain what we discussed tonight. And uh, we believe that we want to leave here better than the way we came in. So Paul in Colossians, he's speaking against, he's writing against this big idea of deception. 
Whenever uh, deception is coming into this church, this small church, uh, he is saying, you have to remember it's all about Jesus. Jesus' supremacy. You have to keep it about that. It can be the greatest smooth talker that comes in. It can be the most eloquent looking individual, but you have to keep it about Jesus. Nothing other or nothing outside of Jesus can help you in your relationship with God. It's not an add-on. It's not anything else. It's all about Jesus. And so we come into this swing where Paul shifts from this doctrinal standpoint to a practical. So we're going to look at it, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. You can follow along with me as we look this evening. Verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, again, Paul says, on the things that are above, not on the things of earth. For you have died and you are hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So a couple things that we have to highlight here. Paul, he's, he's writing this idea that you have died. He's taking a glimpse at the past. Whenever you have a relationship with Jesus, that's why we believe in baptism, because you are signifying, you're signaling that you're dying to your old life and you're coming up out of the water as a new person, a new creation. Paul is looking to the past. Now, this is unique because many times when Paul preaches and teaches, he's directing everything forward, that Jesus is coming back, that Jesus is reconciling his church, that Jesus wants to bring restoration to earth. But Paul's saying you have to actually take a glimpse at the past so you can move in the future. And it's fascinating that he draws that to attention for us, that remember that what preceded this doctrinal standpoint before we knew Jesus. And then he says, and then focus on the things above. See, number one, I want to concentrate on this. When we focus on the things above, it shifts our mindsets. It shifts our mindsets. See, when we focus on the things above, it starts to move. We start to say, hey, I'm going to have a boldness because where's Jesus? He's at the right hand of God. That he is, he is, he is God. He's the God that paused time. He's the God that was at the very beginning. In Colossians chapter one, we look at it. He's the beginning. He's the middle. He's the end. Everything is about Jesus. He's the, the God who parts the water. It's this mindset shift. Paul is encouraging us as followers that when it comes to focusing on the things above, we are having a mindset shift. It's not this idea of what's happening laterally, this horizontal approach. It's this vertical approach. It's looking up that my Jesus, he is at the right hand of God. For that, we can celebrate. I love what Pastor Goss always says. He says this, he says, if you want to change your behavior, you have to first start changing the way you think. I remember sitting there and writing that one down. I was like, man, that's good. Like you always have to focus on how am I thinking? How am I processing? How am I shifting my mindset so that I can be more focused on God's work at hand? I love how A.W. Tozer, this, the self-made and taught theologian, he says this, what comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing about us. Do you think of God as a bold 
person in your life? Do you think of a God that can answer your prayers? Do you think of God that can lead you and give you uh, clarity on decisions that you need to make? Do you think of God that he's going to see you through tests and trials? It's a mindset. How big do you make God in your life? How, what do you need to give over to God? What, what do you need to shift in the way you're thinking in the thought process when it comes to your relationship with God? Paul's saying right here in Colossians, it's about focusing on the majesty of who he is. Number two for us tonight is this, when it comes to focusing on the things above, it changes our behavior, changes our behavior. Our behavior is, is of great importance. And I love how Paul puts it in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 17. Now, we're going to skip some verses here, and we're going to come back to them. But in 12, 17, it says this. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another— if and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put these, put, and above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, in verses approximately about verses 5 through 11, we see that Paul starts to address the things that are old, that are of, uh, of relationship before God. He talks about, hey, when you don't have a relationship with him, with Jesus, if you haven't, then you are caught up in sexual immorality, you're caught up with uh, lying, with cheating, with passion of evil desires— and Paul has this understanding in, in verse 5 that if you want to move forward with your relationship, then what you have to do is you have to put to de death things that preceded a relationship with God. It's this idea of work. You have to change your behavior. And then Paul, what we just read, he says, then you have to have this garment approach. You have to put on a compassionate heart kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. So it's this old way of living to then putting on a new way of living. I always found it fascinating when you look at Colossians chapter 3 and verses 12 through 17, what we just read, you notice when Paul goes, be, uh, he highlights being a follower of Jesus. He doesn't skip to 16, verse 16, and say, hey, let the word of Christ dwell in you rich, richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms. He doesn't skip to what I like to deem whenever I look at scripture. He doesn't skip to the, the churchy stuff first. He doesn't lead with that. You know what he focuses on? If you're a follower of Jesus, what do you do first? What's the first thing you put on? A compassionate heart. 
When you have Jesus in your life, what do you do? You have kindness, humility lead. It's this relational component versus this liturgical, this legalistic component. Now, when you have a compassionate heart, when you're saying, hey, I'm kindness because of Jesus in my life, I have humility because of Jesus in my life, I have meekness because of Jesus in my life, then what you do when you get together, you're glad that you can sing, you're glad that you can worship, and you start to build and grow in your relationship of knowing God mentally and of your mind, but also living that out daily. I found it fascinating that there's that little tie-on. But see, here's what's actually interesting as well when it comes to our behavior. And Paul, he writes that changing our behavior is challenging. Can anybody relate with that? Changing our behavior isn't just, okay, I'm going to start thinking better about myself and then I'm going to be okay. Changing our behavior is challenging. He compares it to changing our behavior as a disciplined athlete. He says that in 1 Corinthians. He says, changing our behavior, a, a believer is that of a faithful soldier, okay? He also says this, he, he says, a, a believer is this uh, tenacious wrestler. So it's this, this physical grind. It's this physical work. If you want behavior change, know that it's a, it's a blue-collar wrestling match, Know that it's a roll up the sleeves that you have to ingrain in yourself, changing your mindset so you can eventually change your behavior and say it's going to take some work. I wish Paul was like, hey, you know what? If you want to change your behavior, all you have to do is be like those Pharisees and scribes and write a lot of pages and sit at the desk and make it easy. But he's saying, no, it takes work, it takes discipline. And that's where Paul goes with it. It's this idea of putting on new clothes. See, it's this idea of saying, if you want to change your behavior, you have to have that mentality of an executioner style to your old life. Paul writes gripping language here for us to, to comprehend and, and grab. And then Paul goes into number three for us tonight is this. When we focus on the things above, it transforms our relationships. See, he, he moves from this doctrinal standpoint slowly and starts to talk about this practical standpoint in our lives. When you have Jesus, when you focus on the things above, then you are actively looking and transforming your relationships. And he highlights three relationships that probably were found in the church of Colossae. The first one is husbands and wives. He says this in Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, I just saw some of you laughing, nudging each other like, hey, you listen here. Let me bring clarity here to this passage. Paul even highlights this in Ephesians 5. It's this tandem, dual relationship. Uh, my wife and I, uh, she's, it's the greatest relationship that I have. I, I value her opinion. I, I lean on her for when I'm weak, when I have thoughts that are stewing, when I need discernment. She sees and gives me a different vantage point. And uh, what I love about it is she brings a lot of clarity, but yet she allows me to lead. I read this phenomenal statistic in, uh, when it comes to church studying, do, doing different things, is that if a man of the family 
the, the husband of the family or the, the leader of that particular family group comes to meet Jesus, over 80% of the rest of the family will come and meet Jesus. I mean, it's phenomenal. So when we see this kind of deconstruction of the family unit that's kind of made its wave over America, it's this attack of God's church. There's this understanding, there's this bride and groom that we see hand in hand in Scripture. That's why it's important to understand and look that it's not about who can lord power in the relationship. It's about this understanding of roles in the relationship. Husband and wives, it's husbands, you honor your wife. They're your most valued, your most cherished possession in a sense. Like you'll, do, you'll go to the ends of the earth for them. In the same way, ladies, allow your husbands to lead. And, I, and I, I don't say that. I know this day and age, it can be, oh man, like everybody needs their rights. Everybody needs their opinions. Everybody needs their voice. But what Paul is extremely addressing here is that there is this understanding of roles, clear roles. And I want to pause and uh, just challenge. I have a heart, uh, particularly for when it comes to men and men's ministry, Men, you have to lead yourself well. If a man's not leading himself well, then somebody else is gonna lead. And when men aren't leading themselves well, their family's not gonna be led well. So men, are, are you praying daily? Are you seeking God? Are you setting the example? Are you getting up before the hustle and bustle of life? Are you saying, I'm valuing my relationship with God first? before I'm worrying about anybody else. It starts there. And then Paul goes on and there's two more. He talks about two more relationships. He talks about then in this church, parent to children. He goes on in Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. See, Paul highlights it, that it's some of the, the, the greatest relationships that we have been entrusted with our children. See, this is uh, uncommon, but this is where Jesus comes in and he preaches and he teaches and Paul picks up and runs with it. In the Jewish society, very uh, throughout much, children didn't have much of a say. No one cared about children. It was, they were kind of just uh, an add-on into the family, into the relationship. Their voice didn't matter. Paul is saying here, lift your children up. Love your children. Encourage them. I want one of the safest places for my boys and my daughter to come home and say, they are loved, but there's going to be discipline because they're loved. We're not going to provoke them. We're going to encourage them. We're going to challenge them. We're going to raise them to be people that go and not people that stay. That's our heart. That's what Paul's addressing. John says, or uh, John writes this in chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven, do not to do my own will, but to the do the will of him who sent me. One of the greatest images that we see is Jesus living in this authority relationship under God, saying, hey God, you're the father. I'm gonna be obedient to what you've instilled and called me to do. See, children, we're to, they're to obey their parents for it pleases the Lord. Jesus set that example. A, a God sitting at the right hand of God, humbling himself 
before man in coming to this earth for you and I. And then number three for us today, this relationship that we see is this slave to master relationship. Colossians 3, and 25 says this, bond servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as the Lord, as for the Lord and not for men. Now I want to pause right there because a lot of times when we see this, bond servants can also mean slaves in many translations, is this, we focus on the evil atrocity of slavery and of mastery when it comes to this relationship. But notice Paul isn't addressing that evil side, he's addressing the internal focus on what that relationship is supposed to have. See, whenever there's an authority lording over you, it's not about that authority that you need to focus on. It's about your heart and keeping that focus above. Because if you are so wrapped up in evil and bitterness and knowing that this is right, then what's going to happen in your heart? It's going to be filled with evil and bitterness in your life. So it's this idea, it's this understanding that this hardship might be happening to me. This authority figure that I don't respect is happening to me. But I'm going to keep my focus on God, on the things above because where you're staring, where you're looking, that's where your feet are going to lead. If you're looking at evil, that's where your feet are going to follow. If you're consumed, it's going to ruin your whole day and say, oh, that's happening to me. I'm going to be wrapped up. It's going to be mentally lodged in my mind. I'm never going to forget. And you're going to be inhibited to experience what can ultimately be this great plan that God has in your life. Paul continues on and Verse 24, he says, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. See, it's not our, it's not our responsibility to, to worry about the punishment of the wrongdoer. That's God. It's our responsibility to focus on the heavenly things above. So tonight as we close, Pastor Steve and the team, they're going to come back up and they're going to lead us through a moment of response. I want to encourage you. What are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? Or, uh, when you're focusing on the things above, your, your mindset shifts, your behavior changes, your relationships are transformed. Today, maybe you need to take a step back and say, I'm going to focus on the things above. I'm not going to worry about the concerns of right now or of tomorrow, of the pain or of the hardship, but I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to believe that God is a bold, powerful person in my life, that he can heal, that he can restore, that he can lead, and that he will always see me through every trial and tribulation I face. See, that's what Paul is encouraging us. Focus on the things above and we can make it through anything in this earth. So church, as we enter to this time of uh, reflection and we're gonna sing another song, I just wanna encourage you, wherever you're at, you can stand, you can stay seated, but take this moment and pray and say, God, work in my life, work in my heart. What do I need to focus on? How do I need to turn the dial? Because when we pray, things change. When we pray, God shows up in great ways. When we say, God, move in my life, speak to me, he shows up in ways we never even imagined.
So let's take this time. Let's continue to lean into him. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 815 and 1045 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.